That's, uh, it's, it's hard to say goodbye to members sometimes, or every time, really. Uh, we're actually running a membership class right now, and so uh, for those of you who are interested in membership, uh, feel free to come join us. Uh, we'll be running another cycle of that uh, another time soon, but it's been a great time uh, with those who've been a part of that last few weeks. Well, this morning, as you can tell by your bulletin cover, we're going to be uh, starting a new series. We're going to be uh, journeying together through the Gospel of John, and this is something I've been uh, itching to do uh, ever since I started here uh, back at the end of April. It's my preference, really, to pick a book and to preach through it, and so we're, we're finally there. Uh, a Gospel It's a narrative. It's an account of the good news about Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection to reconcile sinners to a holy God. John, the author, is one of Jesus' closest disciples. He makes his purpose for writing very clear. It's on your bulletins. Just to remind you, as we journey through this, this book together, you see the verse on the front here. It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And these are some of the themes that you'll pick up on as we move through the Gospel of John. Belief. But maybe more so than belief is this idea of life, eternal life. You you see, uh, of course, John 3.16, that we may have eternal life through belief in Jesus Christ. Now, one interesting thing about this verse is that there's a textual variant uh, that would cause this verse to be read this way. But these are written so that you may continue believing. I think the ESV got it right here. But this brings up an important point. While John's purpose is evangelistic, it does not mean that his gospel is inadequate to encourage the faith of the most seasoned Christians. Regarding John's gospel, St. Augustine is credited with saying this, John's gospel is deep enough for an elephant to swim, but shallow enough that a child will not drown. And I think that's a great way of describing John's gospel. This morning we, we begin at the beginning, but before we dive in, let me paint a picture for you. If you had a falling out with a friend or, or with a significant other, I think We've all lived enough life in this room. I think we've all experienced broken relationships. Maybe it was a a big blow-up, and the two of you are not on speaking terms. If it's it's a spouse, maybe you're on opposite sides of the house, and you're just really stewing. I don't know what the argument was about, but there was an argument, and there's been a, a... damage done to the relationship, you're on opposite sides of the house, you're not on speaking terms, what's the first thing 
that would need to happen in order for that relationship to be reconciled? What's the first thing? Here it is. One of them would have to break the silence. One of them would have to draw near. Now, this is a similar picture that the Bible paints of humanity's relationship to God. Our relationship to God has been broken because mankind has rebelled against their creator. And so, if God is going to take initiative to reconcile and to forgive sinners, we should expect that he would draw near and that he would speak. We should expect a God to draw near and to speak. And this is exactly what we see in the Bible and here in John 1. In fact, it is in God's nature to make himself known. Self-disclosure is part of God's nature. He wants to be known. He wants you to know him. And he's gone to extraordinary measures to reveal himself to mankind. He's not hiding, church. He's not hiding. He's gone to extraordinary measures to make himself known. So in this first sermon in John, we're going to be looking at how God made himself known in the most spectacular way and just to be in awe of how God did this. And then how we must respond to the fact that God has drawn near, that he's spoken, and that he's made himself known. How must we respond? So these are our three points this morning. God made known, God made clear, and man must respond. Now let's look together at the text. Turn with me to the Gospel of John. Grab your Bibles. We're going to be in chapter 1 verses 1 to 18. If you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 1053. I invite you to stand with me out of reverence for God's word and follow along with me as I read. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who has made yourself known. We thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, the Word become flesh, to reveal yourself in the most spectacular way imaginable. And now we ask that as we look into your Word, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to behold with great awe the truths of your word. We thank you for this. and We anticipate uh, how your word will change our lives, make us more like Jesus, we pray in his name. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Before I get to the first point, I just want to point out something in your bulletin. Uh, there's a little section here, the word become flesh or became flesh. Uh, that's just something I, I thought would be helpful for you to understand just the nature of how it is that God can be 100% God and 100% man. It's, it's something that the church has uh, wrestled with uh, in the history of the church and really codified in 451 uh, at the Council of uh, Chalcedon and came up with something called the the Chalcedonian definition. I didn't put it in your bulletin. It was, it was a little long. We couldn't quite fit it in there. Lori and I tried, but uh, it, it was also, it's, it's written in such a way where it might be a little confusing for you. But if you want to Google when you get home, Chalcedonian definition 451, uh, that is uh, the, the orthodox uh, belief on the person of Jesus Christ, 100% God, 100% man. But uh, there's a little write-up in your bulletin to to give you a taste of that anyway. But let's get to our first point, God made known. John begins by going to the very beginning of all things, and he's telling us something about God's identity and his nature. First, notice that he's called the Word. Just think about the simple fact. Words are required for communication to even be possible. And we're told that the Word was God. God is a God of communication, and He speaks so that He may be known. Self-disclosure is part of God's very nature. John also tells us that He was present at the start the very beginning of human history. His existence goes back before all time, before all space, 
before all matter. He is the very source of all creation. If anything was made, it was made through him. It's interesting today how common this phrase is. Tell me how many times you've heard this. Maybe you're getting tired of it. Follow the science. Just follow the science. In some ways, it's because science is somewhat of a god in our culture, right? Let's, let's just be honest. Um, but uh, it's, it's a common phrase in our times. But here's a place, here's a place where Christians can follow the science. And by the way, uh, true science uh, will never contradict the word of God. Uh, that, that just won't happen because all truth is God's truth. Uh, but God's word is our highest authority. And so where there might seem to be contradictions, we need to assume that uh, our science is off somewhere. Uh, because when scientists make uh, claims, uh, it's not science speaking, it's scientists who are speaking, right? They're looking at, uh, they're looking at data and they need to make uh, conclusions about data. But uh, scientific truth, truth will never conflict with God's truth. All truth is God's truth. But here's a place where we as Christians can follow the science and arrive at this conclusion that John 1 puts forward for us. Think about this. Einstein's second law of thermodynamics tells us that the universe is slowly running out of usable energy. It's a law of entropy. This law also shows us that our universe is expanding. All space, all time, and all matter is expanding. Now, if you were to rewind, so to speak, I grew up with VHS tapes. Today, it's all streaming, right? You remember the rewinding, you know? Well, if you rewind this expanding reality of the universe, all space, all time, all matter, you will arrive at a finite point in time before which there was no time. There was no space, and there was nothing material. Now, it's clear logic that anything that begins to exist has a cause, right? And science shows us that our universe had a beginning. Therefore, something had to cause our universe to begin, to come into existence. Because the alternative is that nothing did. And that makes no logical sense. Things don't happen from nothing. And so, what is that something? Well, that something had to be timeless. It had to be spaceless. It had to be immaterial. And beyond that, it had to be incredibly powerful. And beyond even that, super intelligent. It's sound logic, then, that that something that caused the universe to begin is actually a someone. And that someone is the God of the Bible. And here we see that in John chapter 1. John says that in him was life, and that life was the light of men. One of the basic things about light is that it reveals things. It makes things known. 
I'm happy for this in the middle of the night when I have to check on a crying child. I can flip a light on and not stub my toe or step on a Lego. Light is a good thing. It makes things known. And, and here too, through his creation, God is revealing himself. And he is communicating. And this is the same thing we hear Paul saying in Romans 1.20. He tells us, For his invisible attributes, namely, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. <clears throat> in the light of God's self-disclosure, in his creation, it, it shines in the darkness of a world. And not even the brokenness of our world, darkened by sin, has overcome it. God's self-disclosure is not suppressed even by the dark world uh, that we live in because of sin. This brings us to point number two. God made clear. But God has given us even more than just his creation to know him. In the Old Testament, God would occasionally choose to reveal himself through visible manifestations known in theological circles as a theophany. So you can remember that word for your friends if you're ever doing trivia. Theophany. We see examples of these theophanies in places like when God made his covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15. God causes Abraham to fall asleep. And then in the form of a mysterious smoking pot and a flaming torch, God ratifies his covenant by passing through the divided animals as a demonstration of his faithfulness to the covenant. There was an ex- that's an example of a, of a theophany. Or here's another one. The mysterious man that wrestles with Jacob in Genesis 32. After that famous wrestling match, Jacob says, I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. Or how about this? The fourth man in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Or who can forget the burning bush in Exodus 3 where God speaks to Moses through this mysterious burning bush. And then we see God descending in fire and smoke atop Mount Sinai where God met with Moses to give him the law. And and then in the wilderness, God manifested his presence again for his people Israel by guiding them as a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. And then at the very end of Exodus, when the tabernacle was finally first constructed as the focal point of Israel's worship, God manifests his presence by filling the tabernacle with smoke. And it was described as the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord that filled the temple. Now there's a fascinating account at the end of Exodus 33 where Moses asked God to show him his glory. 
And God tells him that no one can see his face and live. No one can see his face and live. So God places Moses in the cleft of a rock and covers him with his hand and causes his presence to pass by him. And as God is passing by, he takes his hand away and Moses is allowed to look backwards. He's given a glimpse of God's glory. Now this word glory in the Old Testament is commonly used to describe these theophanies, these examples where, by where God reveals himself in a, in a visible, physical way. Now hold on to that thought and look with me at what John says in verse 14. John 1, 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Do you see the connection? John is, John is saying that to see the Word made flesh is to see the very glory of God, of which Moses was only allowed to see a glimpse as God took his hand away and he could look back and see the trail of it. In the Word made flesh, we see the very glory of God. And John will, for the first time, identify the Word made flesh in verse 17 as none other than Jesus Christ. So to see Jesus, to be around Jesus, is to see the glory of God. Where God has revealed himself through his creation and through uh, several Old Testament theophanies, now he's making it very clear. He's making it very clear in the person of Jesus Christ. John summarizes this in verse 18 when he says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. To see Jesus is to see God and to know his glory. And how is it that Jesus was seen? Verse 14 says, The word made flesh. The word made flesh. Meaning that this eternal, timeless, spaceless, immaterial, incredibly powerful, and super intelligent God who created all things became flesh. He became like us. 100% man without becoming any less God. And he dwelt among us. This word dwelt here in verse 14 literally means tented or tabernacled. And so we could read this as the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. No longer would the presence of God be among his people in a tent, but now it's in a person, Jesus Christ. It's in a person. Don't ever say that you wish God could be more relatable or relevant How much more relevant and relatable can you be? He became just like us. Someone you can wrap your arms around. Someone who understands what it's like to be human. Someone 
you can talk to face to face. What grace is this, church? What grace is this? It was such a grace for God to reveal his character to his people when he gave the law to Moses. But now, John is saying here, we have been given grace upon grace. Grace upon grace that God made himself known to us so perfectly in Jesus. Hebrews 1.3 puts it beautifully. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. So God is a communicating God who reveals himself to us through his creation, through his word, and most fully and completely through his son, Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. We cannot fault God for not trying to make himself known. In fact, it is in his very nature to do so. We need to fault ourselves for not having our eyes open we don't see him. Now our last point, we've got to respond to this. This eternal, timeless, spaceless, immaterial, super powerful, super intelligent word from the beginning has been made flesh. He's been revealed. What do we do about it? back up with me now to verse 9. John says something very similar to what he says in verse 14. He says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. In other words, God is making himself known in such a radical way that no one will be without excuse for not knowing him. One curious result of light is that it both attracts and it repels. When my family and I are camping and we have the light on at night, you see all the moths coming to the light, you know, into the tent. You know, you keep that zipper door shut because you want to let the, the, the bugs in who are attracted to the light. It attracts all kinds of insects. But there's other critters like cockroaches that when you turn the light on, they scatter. They run for the cover of darkness. Verse 10 tells us that many in the world that he made did not know him. They didn't recognize him as their creator. Verse 11 goes a step further. The very people God set apart as his own, the Jewish people, not even they received him. But verse 12 gives us some very good news because there are some who do receive him. And those who do receive him, he gives the right to become children of God. Now before we uh, get all uh, high on ourselves, if you have come to to Jesus, uh, know that we all start out like cockroaches because of our sin. And we need to plead with the Lord to change hearts that they'll be drawn to him, that they'll be drawn to the light and not repelled by it. Jesus is the eternal word from the beginning. He comes to a world that has rejected him. He is drawing near. 
He is communicating. He is revealing himself because he wants to make rebels into his children. To do this, when you see the light, you must not run from the light. You need to surrender to the light. Draw near to Jesus as he is drawn near to you. He has displayed the glory of God when he died for you to pay for your sin and rose from the grave in victory. He wants to forgive you and to make you a child of God. And if you've been running and feel that God is far from you, he's not. Stop running and receive him by believing in his name. What does this mean, believing in his name? Biblical belief is not blind faith, it's trust. It's trust in a person. It's trust in the person of Jesus. His name is his character. Trust the character. Trust the work of Jesus who died for you to forgive your sin. Lean 100% on his work, not on your own attempts to clean yourself up. Sometimes we get this this faulty impression that to come to Jesus, to come to church even, to walk through the doors of a church, I've got I've to clean myself up first. I've got I've to do something. Not true. He welcomes you just as you are. But he loves you. And when you encounter him, he will not let you stay the way you are. Amen? Put your full trust in his death his resurrection to save you. Today, if you've seen the true light of Jesus for the first time, stop running and start trusting. Receive Jesus and become a child of God this morning. I'd love to talk to you more about that. We've got these connect cards if you're visiting or uh, you can make use of these no matter who you are, whether you're visiting or not. Uh, Fill this out, drop it in the offering plate or uh, the box at the information counter. And I'll, I'll reach out to you and we'll talk. I'd love nothing more than to help you receive Jesus as your, as your Savior. To receive the forgiveness he offers. If you're already a child of God, there's an additional way for you to respond. Look back up with me at verses 6 through 8. John the writer tells us of John the witness. He was sent by God to tell others about the light, about Jesus, so that they too might believe. If you're a child of God, God is sending you also to tell others about Jesus. Here's, here's this God who in his very nature is in him to, to, to disclose himself, to make himself known. And now as his children, we share in that work of making him known, bringing him to others. He's sending you. He wants others to know how he died for their sins to make them his children and how they must respond to by faith, believing in his name. John twenty twenty one says this, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are sent. You are a person who is sent. And if you're not living a life that is characterized by being sent, by being on mission, we need to repent of that and get back on track. 
As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, he tells his followers. So who are you seeking to point to Jesus, church? Are you? Who are you seeking to point to Jesus? It's easy to get complacent. It's easy in our world to get self-absorbed, losing sight of the mission that we've been sent on. And if this is you, if you've gotten off mission, if you've taken the exit to Meville, repent and get back on. Get back on mission. Find others here who are on mission and know that you're not alone. May we as a church be on mission together, pointing our community to Jesus, the true light, that they might become children of God by faith in Jesus' name. Chris had mentioned the Christianity Explorer. That's a great place for even a seasoned Christian to be reminded of, like you said, what it's like to be new and have lots of questions. Church, we need to equip ourselves. We need to take advantage of opportunities to be equipped to engage our community because we have a mission. We have a mission that we've been given by Jesus. We've been given this mission by God who it's in his very nature to disclose himself and he wants to use us to do that even more. This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. And we need to display Christ to our community. So if you haven't yet, come to that Christianity Explored class and learn more. Uh, if, if you're here and, you know, you're just, this is all new to you, but you've put your trust in Jesus, you need to be discipled. Reach out to me through here and we'll find someone to, to do some discipleship with you. What do I mean by discipleship? Discipleship is walking. It's living life. What does it mean to live life with Jesus? Well, we want to help you to do that. Uh, we've had, we have some tools. We have people. Uh, if, you're a, if you're a Christian uh, for any number of time and you haven't been discipled, you should. You should. <laughs> I'll just say that. You should. Uh, reach out to me through the Connect card, and we'll try to pair you up with someone. Uh, but church, we've got to be ready. If, if God's going to bless our church by, by bringing new believers into our, uh, into our, our fold here, uh, we've got to be ready to disciple them because that's the other half of the Great Commission. We've got to not just make disciples of all nations and baptize them, but we've got to teach them and to train them uh, all that Jesus has taught us. And so that's the work of discipleship. Uh, so those are, your, those are your application points. Discipleship, Christianity explored. Uh, and who are you seeking to make Christ known to? Pray about it. What are your spheres of influence? Who are the people that you rub shoulders with day to day? Who are your neighbors? Do you know your neighbor's name even? I was convicted of that a few years ago. We started praying for our neighbors. Uh, we didn't even know their names, but we just asked God for opportunities to know our neighbors. And uh, I think I've told this story before. One of my neighbors walked across the street and introduced himself to me that day. I didn't have to go anywhere. He came to me. Uh, so who are your neighbors? Who are your coworkers? Who are your classmates if you're a student in school still? Uh, who are you seeking to make Christ known to? Because that's the work he's given us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much that you are, you are a God who is not hiding. You are a God who, uh, it, who for it's in your very nature to, to disclose yourself, to make yourself known. And God, we are thank you for the grace of God that transformed our hearts so that we would not run from the light, but that we'd be drawn to the light. 
and that we would come to Jesus, believing in his name and finding life. Father, there's, there's no better way to live. It's the only way to live. Father, burden our hearts for the people around us in our community. Help us to be on mission together. Help us as a church to take advantage of opportunities to further equip and to train ourselves so that we can be better witnesses in our community for Jesus. Help us, Lord, to point others to you. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen.